Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. New King James Version, it's on the screen. You can read it along with me. Paul wrote to Timothy, here's what he said. He said, now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain that we will carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Lord, we thank you so much for your word tonight. We ask you to speak to our heart. I pray for a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge to just come into this place. Give us ears to hear and a heart to receive everything that you have for us. And Lord, we'll be ever so careful to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I want to just say tonight, first of all, I'm glad you're here. I hope that you have enjoyed the series, and I hope that you have been staying warm. Um, I saw some pictures this week of uh, some churches in Russia who ha- are meeting outside for services, and it is iced over everywhere. And so I'm so thankful tonight that we have a building that's paid for, that has padded pews, and a heater. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, I know that it spoils us, but I am glad for it. But I'm excited about all of God's blessings that he's had in our life. Now, tonight, tonight's hot topic was not really a planned one, I have to tell you. This topic tonight came from a question that I actually received from somebody a few weeks ago. Now, it was not a church member. It wasn't anybody in here, so you don't have to look around and wonder who asked pastor this question. But it actually did come from a a question. Actually, it came, I'll just be honest with you, it came from another minister friend of mine. And um, that question was, should Christians play the lottery? Okay? So tonight, I felt everybody tighten up. Y'all loosen up tonight. Amen. Some of y'all bought that one point something billion Powerball, didn't you? Uh, So anyway, before you turn me off, I just need you to hear everything that I've got to say. So tonight specifically, I want to look at what does the Bible say about gambling? So being that we just had the largest Powerball ever, I mean, that thing was like one point something billion dollars. I mean, you know, even if you take the payout on that and just get everything cut out up front, that is a lot of money, okay? Somebody asked me, Pastor, do you think you would backslide if you had that much money? To which I replied, I don't know, but I sure would like to try. Come on, somebody. You know, all in jest, but... I can't imagine having that kind of money or that kind of resource. But I want you to know something. Here's the question that was asked to me. The question that was asked to me was this. If you oppose gambling, would you accept the tithe off of that winning? Okay, that's a valid question. You know, so I began to study a little bit. And I began to look at what does the Bible say about tainted money? Okay, what does the Bible say about money that comes from illegitimate sources. And you know, I only found one scripture, 
One scripture. Now, I'm not saying that there are not more, but I've only found one. Okay? Here's what I found. Are you ready for it? Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 18. Here's what the scripture says. Uh, and guys, can you put the, the confidence monitor on for me back there, Lance? It's not on. So that way I can, I can read it while I'm looking. But here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 18. Here's what it says. You ready? You shall not bring the wages of a harlot or the price of a dog, which is a male prostitute, to the house of the Lord your God for any vowed offering. For both of these are an abomination to the Lord your God. You know, that's the only scripture that I have found. So what I found is that God will accept your lottery tithe, but he will not accept your OnlyFans money. Come on, somebody. In other words, there's something about the sexual perversion nature. God says, I'm not taking that. But let me just be honest with you. And all of that is in jest. Here's the thing. None of us know where any money comes from. You don't know what that 20 had just done that you got from Walmart just in change when you bought your groceries. The, the point is, though, that tonight is that no, while we don't con- condone uh, people ruining their lives in gambling addiction, the truth of the matter is, is that the devil had that money long enough. Amen. And we'll put it into use for the kingdom of God. Say amen, somebody. All right. So that being said, I want to look at this tonight from a very different perspective. All jokes aside, what does the Bible say about gambling? Now, I want to approach this the very same way that I approached alcohol the other day, which I told you that the, the, the old uh, argument is the Bible doesn't say don't drink, it says don't get drunk. And the answer to that is yes, you're absolutely right. So we had to look at what is drunk, what constitutes drunk, who, who decides what drunk is. So we looked at that from a very scriptural standpoint. So I want to tell you that the Bible does not outright address the subject of gambling. Um, However, I want you to also realize that even though there's no chapter and verse about gambling, there's no chapter and verse about smoking meth either. Come on, somebody. Or smoking crack or doing whatever a person does. So... That doesn't mean the Bible doesn't address the issues or the fruit of those things. And so tonight, I want you to just look at me, look with me with open arms because as we look at the Word of God, while there is no black and white Scripture, here's what we have to understand. In the whole of Scripture, there are principles that God deals with us about concerning stewardship, concerning finances, and fleeing the very appearance of evil. Now, can I look you in the eyes tonight and say that purchasing a lottery ticket is a sin? Absolutely not, nor would I say that. I don't believe that because I don't believe it's the one time that's bad. I believe it's the over and over and over again that causes an addiction that's bad. And so I I couldn't look you in the eyes and say that any more than I can tell you that eating McDonald's um, one time is bad. But how many of you know that if you eat McDonald's all the time, every day, all day, you're going to have some problems? Okay? So, I want to I look at this because it it's really begs for our attention, especially since this was in the news recently. So, let's look at a redemptive look at this and see what God's Word says. So, we've got to understand, what's the draw to gambling? The draw to gambling is an enticement to get rich quick. To get rich quick. I mean, after all, 
after all, all we've heard for the last two years is is how bad financial shape the United States is in. We've heard people can't afford groceries. We've heard people can't afford, um, you know, basic necessities. People can't afford their light bills. They can't afford all these things. So obviously, we know, right, this is not a problem in our nation. But, according to Statista.com, in 2021, okay, $53 billion dollars in revenue in the gaming and gambling industry in 2021 alone. In the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of when people are having to have subsidies for unemployment, in the middle of when people are having to forbear their student loans and not pay them back because they're too broke to, somehow Americans found enough change in their pocket. Now, we're not talking about worldwide. We're talking about in the USA. Found $53 billion to spend at casinos, slot machines, and scratch-off cards. I want you to think about it. $53 billion. Everybody say billion. Now, I want to ask the question. In a world where our economy is all messed up, in a world where... Uh, people don't have enough, okay? In a world where people are scratching and scrounging and government assistance is at an all-time high, I want to ask the question, what good, let's take out, because everybody says, oh, it's just the church, all the church people want is your money. Let's take out the church. Philanthropologically-wise, okay, when it comes to humanitarian efforts, what could $53 billion do for the world? How many people could it feed? How many, how many clothing programs for the homeless? How many? But yet, people have spent that much money in 2021 alone. So apparently, whoever has this type of money must have a lot of it to spare. So we got to ask ourselves, who are the investors, right? Who are the investors? Because when a business makes a lot of money, when there's stocks and things of that nature, those people are referred to as investors. So we got to ask ourselves, who are the investors who contributed the bulk majority of this $53 billion into the gaming industry? I want to tell you, despite what Hollywood shows, it's not the wealthy who are gambling. No, 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 no. Not, not the people who worked hard for their money. Let me tell you, because when a person works hard for their money, they don't just throw it away that way. And even sometimes when a person who inherits money, maybe like from a trust or something of that nature, if they're not financially smart or become financially smart or have somebody financially smart in their corner to help them, They won't be able to hold on to that money. So people who are wealthy genuinely aren't the ones buying the scratch-off tickets. Let me tell you what statistics say. I love truth. Here's what TNF Online, which was a a research paper written by a a person with the last name of Hanman, Ph.D. They are a, a person who is involved in humanitarian efforts and psychology who studied the most impoverished communities and found out who are the number one contributors to gambling. Are you ready? Here, here it is. Here it is. 
Here's what we have to look at. Studies show findings that indicate that gambling problems were associated with several poverty measures, including employment and unemployment, housing instability, homelessness, low income, and neighborhood disadvantage. Here's what they found out. They found out that an impoverished community, the people who live in those communities, are 50% more likely to have gambling addictions. You know why? Because gambling and gambling advertisements exploit the under, underprivileged and the unfortunate. I need you to hear me. They, they do these big lotteries and they get you to pass them because they say, well, it's going to help education. If you do the math, even here in Oklahoma, you go and look and see how much of the casino money or the scholarship lottery money actually goes to education. It's very little. So listen, if you say I'm doing this to contribute to education, why don't you just write them a check directly? That way you know it goes there. But they use these things to entice people and, and to say, well, it's going for a good cause. Okay, now understand, I'm not talking about the raffle for your kid's ball game. I don't think that's sinful at all because we're contributing to a cause. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people that spend their whole paychecks on, on, on a hopes of winning something that they did not work for. People say, well, man, if I ever won the lottery, it would be a blessing. The question we have to ask is, would it really? Anyway, uh, let me just tell you, people say, if I won the lottery, it would be a blessing. The question we have to ask ourselves is, would it really be? Would it really be? Let me tell you, there is something. Now, as Christians, we don't believe in curses, not, not, not like people in the world do. But there is something that secular society, apart from Christianity, has labeled the lottery curse. There are over 21 examples of this in history. And I chose to just pick three out for you. Okay? Here's three people who won the lottery. Okay? There was a man by the name of William Post III. Listen to this. He had $3 in his bank account. $3 to his name. He pawned his girlfriend's engagement ring for $40. He spent the entire amount on lottery tickets. He ended up winning $16.2 million from the Pennsylvania lottery. Rather than to get the lump sum, somebody advised him to get the $400,000 a year annual annuity. And when he got it, he spent the first $400,000 in two weeks. After those two weeks, he then took out another loan on a business venture and found himself half a million dollars in debt. It wasn't shortly after that, but his girlfriend sued him because apparently there was a verbal contract where he said that he was going to give her the money, or half of the money, if he won. It was disputed in court. She took half of what he had, his business collection, or his business endeavors that he tried with his lottery winnings. He ended up filing bankruptcy. And watch this, the man who went from $3 in his bank account to $16.2 million in lottery proceedings, when he died, he died um, impoverished with only living on $425 per month in disability. Was it a blessing? Wasn't a blessing. There was a man in Texas by the name of Billy Harrell. 
After winning $31 million in the Texas lottery, Billy thought he had it all. He's struggling to support his wife and teenage children on his measly little Home Depot salary. The winnings seemed like a blessing. In, 2000, or in, in 1997, he and his wife celebrated in their living room, finding out that they had won. And notice this, two years later, unable to take the pressure of people constantly asking him for money, he blew his brains out in his living room. Was it a blessing? David Lee Edwards, he was unemployed when he won part of a $280 million lottery jackpot in 2001. He was an ex-convict at the time of his big win. It was the third largest pot in U.S. history. Edwards, originally from Kentucky, received a lump sum of $27 million uh, after taxes. Uh, Edward was uh, convicted of robbery in 1981 and he served out his sentence in 1997. Several years after winning the lottery, he was evicted from his multi-million dollar home in Florida after failing to pay the back taxes at his homeowners association. The New York Daily News reported that Edward lost all of his money in just a few years and ended up living in a storage unit covered in human feces. That's how he died. That's three out of 21 of the same stories of people who won the lottery and ended up uh, um, worse off than they began. You say, Pastor Brad, does the scripture have anything to say about that? It actually does. Proverbs 13 verse 11 says this, Wealth gained by dishonesty will soon be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. I want you to know that that. How a person gets money also affects their life. Now, when it says gained by dishonesty, another translation of that says money gotten by ill gain shall soon be diminished. Let me tell you, people say, well, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Let's look what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. Notice this. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. Come on, can we say that last part? He adds no sorrow with it. Let me just tell you, if it comes with pain, if it comes with a payment, it ain't the blessing. I mean, God may have enabled you to get it and work it in your budget, but when there's sorrow attached to it, that is not the blessing. Every one of these people uh, undoubtedly have a story of great pain attached to this issue. Now, you say, what does all that have to do with anything? Well, I wanted to take our passage tonight and show you some practical things about what the Bible says. Because again, I can't say that a raffle ticket or one lottery ticket, or if you went to the casino and you put $15 in it, that you sinned. I can't say that. But what I'm going to show you tonight is from the scripture, the danger That lies ahead when we have an unhealthy view of wealth, an unhealthy view of resources, and when our heart motivation is not in the right place. So Paul, in our passage, is warning Timothy, his young son in the faith, whom is facing all different types of things. He's warning him as he's leading others and he's teaching others not to be one who chases after money. He tells him... That godliness with contentment is indeed great gain. Here's what I want you to know. Paul is warning him and he starkly shares with him 
not to make the pursuit of riches his focus. Can I tell you something? Money is not wrong. Money is not wrong. People have criticized those who quote-unquote preach a prosperity gospel. Which, by the way, all that wordage and lingo has been greatly twisted. But on the opposite hand, many people uh, champion what we call the poverty gospel. Well, let me tell you, having money is not wicked. Okay? I thought the rapture happened. Everybody went home. Listen, if you, if, you, if you don't agree, sign your paycheck over every single week. The fact is, is that God doesn't care if you have money. He cares if money has you. Money is a tool. It's not to be worshipped. It's not to be idolized. It's not to sit on the throne of our hearts. It is a resource. Somebody has to build the kingdom. The devil's building his kingdom. Budweiser's not on any shortage of income. When's the last time you saw Budweiser have a chicken dinner to be able to have a, fun, a fundraiser to be able to do something for their corporation? You never have. The devil has money to build his kingdom. And God's got to build his kingdom and he uses us to do that. So somebody has to be a kingdom builder. Somebody has to have the resources to do something for, for God. That's not what this passage is about. This passage isn't about money. It's not the root of all evil. He says it's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. And so tonight, I want to look at that because so many people have this pursuit. And that's, that's the whole draw to gambling. People want to, they want to get something for nothing. And so I want to cover this a little bit. Let's just look at our scripture, okay? And let's go back and look at it one more time. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. He says, verse 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Notice this. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out of it. Having food, clothing, with these we shall be content. Here's why I think it's not wise for Christians to fall into the trap of gambling. Here it is. Number one, it's because Scripture teaches contentment. Scripture teaches contentment. Gambling does not foster a spirit of contentment. Gambling uh, fosters a mentality of covetousness. It's, it's wanting something that is not rightfully ours. Now, it's not wrong to work for money. God wants us to work. He wants us to have wealth. He's not against us doing anything like that. However, our motive is certainly different. Notice what he says here. He says in our passage, he says, for we brought nothing into this world and certainly we can carry nothing out. So what does that mean? That means that materialism is not the end all when it comes to human existence. You know, most of people in life, um, it says they get all they can, they put it on the can, and then they sit on the can, Right? You have people who are even worse. They're hoarders. They never throw anything away. They never give anything away. Their life is all about collecting, 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 collecting. And, 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 and just getting more, getting more, getting more, getting more. And what, what Paul is trying to tell Timothy here is that that's not the purpose of the existence of life. We didn't bring anything into this world. You didn't bring your camper, your boat, your motorcycle, your car, your guitar, your coin collection. Nothing. 
You didn't bring anything into this world. And certainly, guess what he said? We're not going out of here with anything either. Right? So he teaches us that our attitude towards money needs to be a godly attitude. If we're going to do something with resources, it needs to be of a kingdom mindset. It needs to be a godly mindset. So scripture teaches us to be, be content. You know, society doesn't because we're always evaluating somebody else. Well, they drive a nicer car. They have a nicer house. Why don't I have this? And why don't I have that? And man, it sure does seem like I got all the, 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 the hard roads in life. And it seems like they're just being blessed and all of that. Here's what I need you to understand as it relates to contentment. Our bank accounts and our investments should not be what defines us. Right? Because some of the most wealthy people in the world don't have Jesus. And so therefore, they are the poorest people in the world. And some of the poorest people in the world that I have even experienced personally in Mexico on the streets or even in in the slums of Africa who have nothing but yet they have Jesus and they have peace are the richest of all people. But Scripture teaches us to live a content life. Okay? So there's, there's the first thing. Here's the second thing I want to share with you. It's also found in our text in 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, in verse 9. Notice this. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Okay, so notice that. Notice what he says there. The wrong motive for riches causes a snare in people's lives. So, so what does that mean? What does that mean? It causes men to fall into temptation. Now, notice now, this text is not talking about prospering the way that God intended us to prosper. We're going to talk about that before we leave here today. God wants us to prosper. He wants us to do well, but he has a way that he wants us to do it. But when a person has the wrong motive for being wealthy or to have riches, what happens is it causes them to fall in traps. It causes them to make very risky investments. It causes them to fall into gambling. Uh, It causes them to hide their activity by lying to their spouse, lying to their family, not paying their debts because they spent all of their money on tickets or whatever it might be. Listen, some of the saddest stories that I've ever heard have been from people who thought that they were almost there. One more dollar and I'll make it. And all of a sudden, they went home to their little wife and their little kids They didn't have anything to eat. And I'm talking about men who made good money, oil field, overtime, good checks. Because, see, that's what happens. You you feed that slot machine, you pull it down a little bit, you lose a couple times, and then it'll give you a dollar or two back. Right? And that dollar or two back releases a little bit of endorphin and adrenaline and dopamine in your mind. And you're like, ooh, ooh, we got to put some more in there. And then all of a sudden, cha-ching, all your money's gone. Now you say, Pastor, now come on now, some people win. Yeah, some do, but do the math. 
the lights of Las Vegas were not built on winners. They were built on losers. In fact, the odds are stacked against you that you're going to lose. And as you've seen, if a person gets money the wrong way without working for it and understanding its purpose, you can have all the money in the world and be worse off than when you started. Almost all of those people who fell under the lottery curse and lost everything ended up saying before they died, I just wish it could go back to the way it used to be. Think about it. It's crazy. All right? So, it also says that they fall into many sorrows. Falls into many sorrows. Causes all kind of issues in their life. Here's the third thing. Look at this with me. I thought this was interesting. For the love of money, verse 10, is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Keep that scripture up there and let's look at this. Here's number three. The love of money can cause people to stray from the faith. The love of money can cause people to stray from the faith. Let me tell you, you can serve Almighty God or you can serve the almighty dollar, but you can't serve both. The Bible says that you cannot serve God and mammon. You have to pick one. And the back of our currency still, they haven't changed it yet. I know people have tried to change it, but on, the, on our quarters and on our currency and our paper and our metal, they say what? In God we trust. The question is, do we really because so much of our decisions, so much of our emotions, so much of everything is tied up in whether or not our bank account is up or is down. But the love of money causes people to stray from the faith. I've seen this happen with people. I have pastored people through the years over these last 17 years. They were on fire for God, Miss Brenda. They loved God. They were church every time the door was open. And they prayed. They said, Lord, would you please just give me a different job? And the Lord gave them another job. And, and then other opportunities came along with this job. And then all of a sudden now, they, they don't, they're not ever at church on Sunday. Or Wednesday. Or any day. Not because they have. Listen, there's a difference between having to work and choosing to work. Because you've either indebted yourself to the point not being content with the blessings of the Lord and living within your means or because you are chasing that decimal point at the end of your W-2 to give you a few more zeros. Listen, I'm telling you, I have watched people fall out of church and out of love with Jesus because of chasing money. I have, I have watched preachers Fall out of love with Jesus, chasing money. I know, I know, I can, I can probably tell you 20 that I know of right now that they couldn't make it in the ministry and they didn't have faith for finances or how to live. And so they're all out selling health programs now and don't even talk about Jesus anymore. Why? For the love of money 
has caused some people to stray from the faith and pierce them with many sorrows. So what is Paul's admonition to Timothy? Are you ready for it? Here it's at the very end of that verse. He says, but you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. So tonight, listen, I'm not here to tell you that if you buy a lottery ticket, you're a bad person, you're going to hell or anything like that. But I am telling you that if you have a, a gambling addiction or if you're a person that has an unhealthy attitude towards money, you are running towards destruction quickly. So in conclusion, here's what I would tell you. The question was asked to me, should a Christian gamble? Should a Christian play the lottery? That was the question asked to me. So here's what I would tell you based on that. I would say, number one, the gambling industry exploits the poor. It exploits the poor. It is a tax on the poor. In fact, I have often said, and I don't mean it derogatory, those who gamble away their money end up paying the stupid tax. Here's the second thing I would tell you. Gambling is not reflective of Christian character. What does that mean? Covetousness, greediness, wanting something that we didn't work for. Those things are not, not compatible with Christian character. Here's the third thing, and here's probably the most important. Gambling is not listed in God's personal plan for prosperity. You know, the Bible teaches us how to prosper. Prospering is not bad. You know, the Bible says, He that gathers by labor shall increase. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. The Bible says a lot of great things about work. And he says a lot of horrible things about laziness, right? I, I, I saw an interview this week, or it was a video that went viral on social media. A poor little Generation Z uh, Starbucks worker had a meltdown because their boss made them work an eight-hour shift. That's the, that, that's the mentality that we have today. Can you imagine our grandparents and, and many of us who, I used to work in a steel mill before I was in ministry. It was 120 degrees in and and, and the cool part of the plant. And we had to take breaks every 45 minutes to drink Gatorade. It was mandatory. Backbreaking. Think about people in the military, people in the oil field, people that have to work hard. And, and sometimes, you know, yeah, they may have three or four days off in a row, but they worked 16 hours some of those days. Come on, somebody. Are y'all with me? God doesn't mind us prospering, working with our hands, honestly, hard work. It, it, it helps us to prosper. Um, tithing is a way to prosper. People say, oh, there you go. No, that's not, what, that's not what I said. That's what the Bible said. The Bible said when we return God the part that belongs to Him in a form of honor, He opens up the windows of heaven over our lives and He gives us a blessing. More Christians that I know that struggle week to week and can never make it, if you pull their giving record, they don't tithe. 100% of the time, no questions asked. So tithing, giving to the poor. That doesn't have to be inside of church. You see somebody that's hungry. You see somebody that's homeless. You see somebody, a single mom, an elderly person that has a need. And you, in secret, you give to them and you help them. The Bible says, he that lends to the, the poor lends to the Lord and he shall repay you. Investing wisely. 
is also a way to prosper. Somebody asked me, they said, well, pastor, is, is the stock market the same thing as gambling? Well, I guess in some extreme cases, if you're a day trader, it could be. But it's not in the same category. Let me tell you why. One person starting a company, okay? There's a startup company. Let's just say Amazon. Let's just say Walmart. And this company's starting up. And they, they need 10 investors to give $10,000 each to start this company. Let me, let me stop right there and just ask this question. How many of you would wish you would have put some money in when Walmart started? All right, there we go. So get this. In that scenario, you have a pool of people who've invested in a company. When the company grows, everybody wins. When the company loses, everybody loses. That's not how it is with gambling. Gambling... You have a card game, everybody throws in money, one person wins, everybody else loses. That's not investing. That's unhealthy risk at the expense and exploitation of somebody else. And God is never about exploiting people, whether it's women, the poor, the underprivileged, or anything. God is against exploitation. In fact, in the Old Testament, He came down on people for charging ungodly interest rates on people that caused a burden that they could never pay back. God was adamant about people not exploiting the weak. So get this. Investing wisely. We have scripture about that. The parable of the talents. And Jesus gave to this one this amount. And this one this amount. And this one that amount. The one who did nothing got in trouble. He hit on it. He sat it down. So God wants us to increase. He wants us to invest wisely. But that's not the same. As pulling the old lever. And and giving everything away. And hoping and wishing. That you're going to make it big. Let me tell you friend. God has a plan for his people to prosper. And gambling is not found anywhere in that plan. Hard work, tithing, giving to the poor, and investing wisely are God's plan to prosper us. But here's what I want to finish and conclude with this statement. Money does not fix your problems. Money only magnifies your problems. Money's a magnifier. It's not good nor bad. It's, just, it's a magnifying glass. Let me tell you, if you're good with a little bit of money, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be good with a lot of money. But if you're bad with a little bit of money, then it's highly probable that you're going to be terrible with a whole lot of money. You say, do you have scripture for that? You bet you I do. He that is faithful with little will also be faithful with much. He that is unfaithful with little will also be faithful with much. And I want to add this. Be careful judging other Christians whom it seems like God is really blessing because you don't know the level of generosity they walk in. Do you know that the more you live with an open hand towards people, the more God moves with an open hand towards you. Amen? The moment we do this, we shut it up, the flow stops. Right? We're blessed more not to hoard more. We're blessed more to give more. And I would say, 
that if America can spend $53 billion in the middle of a pandemic on gambling, then what in the world could we do if we put our resources to righteous cause? I just want you to think about that tonight. So chew on it, pray about it, ask the Lord to talk to you. But I just thought it was interesting when I began to study and to look at this that there's a lot of warning about our attitude, the wrong attitude towards resources. But when you get it the right way, see the reason why God tells us about hard work is because there's something about when you earn it. Right? Something about when you earn it. Versus when you just get it. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's why you can't just give your kids everything. You'll ruin them. You will ruin them. I mean, you know, it's okay to love on them and spoil them. But if you give them everything without any work whatsoever, you have done nothing but create a monster for the next generation. Because until you know the value of something, you really don't know what it costs. Right? Let's pray.